0: Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
2: Welcome back in. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We roll through the Friday edition of the program. We are here in the Outkick Studios Masters Friday about to be underway. We're going to be joined by Chantel McCabe in the next segment. She worked at the Golf Channel. Uh, She's going to be breaking down everything in the world of the Masters as we prepare to find out what it's going to look like headed into the weekend down in Augusta. But speaking of the state of Georgia, uh, I teased this in the first hour that there's a lot of drama now surrounding the first three picks. We know Trevor Lawrence going to the Jags. We know Zach Wilson's going to the Jets. And now there is starting to be substantial movement suggesting that Mac Jones may be the guy for the 49ers. Now, maybe they don't know, although I've told you from the moment they made the draft uh, move, that I think they know exactly what they're going to do. But so the question that is out there is, if Mac Jones goes three, Still, Trey Lance could be the guy for the 49ers. Still, Justin Fields could be the guy. There's a lot of, as always, uh, sort of concerted disinformation, I think it's fair to say, oftentimes in the draft. I would say this, however, when we know the first pick and we know the second pick, it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense that the 49ers would be putting out smoke screens about what they're going to do with the third pick. We know they're going to take a quarterback. So if this information that is starting to leak into the gambling markets about uh, Mac Jones maybe being the guy, if that's true, then all of a sudden the fulcrum, the focus, uh, the the, the most interesting part of the first round of the NFL draft might become the decision that the Atlanta Falcons have. First-year head coach Arthur Smith, new GM, what are they going to do it for? Matt Ryan is 36 years old. You've got a pretty solid wide receiver tandem in Julio Jones and in Calvin Ridley. To me, the play here is to go with what I believe is the most reliable person in the entirety of the NFL draft. And it ain't going to be a quarterback. It's Kyle Pitts, tight end from the University of Florida. He put up freakish numbers at his pro day. 36 years old for Matt Ryan is not that old when you consider 43-year-old Tom Brady just won the Super Bowl. 41-year-old Drew Brees, who's just turned 42 right after the season ended, has had his team in the mix in, uh, to, to make a run in the playoffs for several years in a row now. We just had 37-year-old Aaron Rodgers win the MVP, played maybe the best season of his career. Ben Roethlisberger put up big numbers as I believe, a 38-year-old quarterback. If I'm sitting there and I am in the Atlanta Falcons, I'm not sure that I want to draft a young quarterback. If I've got a good offensive-minded head coach in Arthur Smith, and I look at Matt Ryan, who hasn't had a lot of significant injuries, or to be fair, that many big hits over the years, if I look at Matt Ryan and say, okay, this guy's got two or three more years, And what could a guy like Kyle Pitts working in conjunction with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley do to this offense, I'm not sure that I want to trade out. Because the reason that I'm talking about the number four pick is if Justin Fields and Trey Lance are both there, it's possible that somebody's going to fall in love with either of those quarterbacks. Or to be fair, if Justin Fields or Trey Lance gets drafted by the 49ers, the same possibility still exists at the number four position in the first round. So the Falcons, to me, are maybe in the most intriguing spot in the entire NFL draft. Because we know quarterbacks are going 1, 2, and 3. Does someone love the idea of one of those quarterbacks enough to trade all the way up to number four? Or, or is there going to be a really strong decision made by the Atlanta Falcons where they sit back and they say, you know what? We could trade down and we could add picks. But if Kyle Pitts, we are convinced, is the most surefire suggestive uh, win on the entire board for us, why would we get more picks if we might not end up with the same quality of player that fits our system almost perfectly? And I would say again about Arthur Smith, He's used tight ends really well with Ryan Tannehill. Jonu Smith just got a monster deal from the New England Patriots because of how well he was used by the Tennessee Titans, and he was a third-round pick. So if you go with Kyle Pitts, who I believe is the most surefire certainty in the first round of the NFL, you don't have to worry about who's going to be available on your board for somebody who traded up. Now, this could change a little bit if you look at the NFL draft and you're like, oh, you know what? Somebody is going to move up at seven. You look at the way that the NFL draft is slotted, and you might still think, you might roll the dice and say, hey, you know what? We still feel like we can get Kyle Pitts even if we trade back a bit. Or maybe you trade back knowing you're going to move back up. That's a possibility, right? But I would just say in general, the danger here is we know quarterbacks are going one, two, and three. Would somebody be willing to trade up? And if they do, how far back would the Falcons be willing to go? And how what would they be contemplating doing? Because let's say, like I'm looking at my guy Peter Schrager's mock draft right now. And what he's got is the Patriots trading all the way up. And we're going to have to talk about this next week. we got a lot of time to talk about the draft, trust me. But he's got the – I mean, we need to get Schrager on one of these uh, mornings to talk about. Well, he's got Justin Fields trading all the way up and going to the New England Patriots. Even though Bill Belichick has never drafted a quarterback in his entire coaching career higher than the 60s with what he did with Jimmy Garoppolo, if somebody makes you an offer you can't refuse, maybe you have to do it. But I feel like in general, Kyle Pitts should be the move for the New England Patriots. Will they be so steadfast in their choice that they don't consider in a big way trading back? I I think it's the most fascinating question in the NFL draft right now. And we got 20 days to unpack it. And there will be a lot of disinformation, a lot of misinformation, a lot of rumors. People will get upset. I was loving the NFL draft. How dare somebody question anything, right? Like Justin Fields' work ethic got questioned and people lost their minds. Everything gets questioned in the NFL draft. Your friends, your family, your choices, your work ethic, your hand size, whether or not you're the right height. I mean, it is the most intense job interview that I think exists anywhere in sports and there's not a close second. And we're just getting started, baby. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. All right, when we come back, we're going to go talk to Chantel McCabe. Uh, The Friday at the Masters, just underway. Can Justin Rose hold on? Can Jordan Spieth make a run? What's going on with Bryson DeChambeau? And what in the world has happened with Rory McIlroy? We're going to unpack all those questions and more with Chantel as we move forward. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis.
0: 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters?
2: welcome back in appreciate all of you hanging out with us friday headed into a master's weekend a lot of people ready for spring to officially uh, have sprung and i know a lot of you spent thursday watching i know that our next guest is chantelle mccabe she has been formerly with the golf channel she has a new show starting on sirius xm on april 19th how much fun did you have watching golf at augusta on thursday Chantel?
3: Well, it was very appropriate that it is back in April, and I don't know if it's just seeing the Azaleas and having the patrons back on the course, but there was a special kind of zing in the air, and certainly it came through the television to me on my couch. But boy, is it good to have the official kickoff to the golf season uh this week, and we're, we saw some amazing golf on Thursday, that's for sure.
2: Do you think, uh, did it surprise you for most people, I know Justin Rose had an incredible day, but there were very few guys who were under par. Did it surprise you how difficult the course played really for everybody? The guys that were expected by and large to dominate did not, um, there were not a lot of low scores to be had on Thursday.
3: Yeah, well, when you're going that low, I mean, Justin Rose is playing an entirely different golf course, and just to talk about him for a second I mean this guy has done nothing nothing I mean I'm embarrassed to say that he was not even remotely on my radar 100 to 1 odds uh, to win for the week because his best finish was in the Saudi International, which is uh, kind of a birdie fest, so a lot of people you know, wouldn't really take that into consideration when putting their master's picks in place. But um, when it comes to the big guys like Brooks Kepka and that uh, really frustrating knee injury and the defending champion, Dustin Johnson, uh, Justin Thomas, who is my pick, I mean, this is a difficult golf course. It's supposed to play difficult. There's a reason why they tiger-proof the place, because they want people to earn their keeps. and Fast, I mean, Fred Couples was out there this week and said he has never seen the golf course, which is cliche to say, oh, I've never seen it in this great of shape. But for him to admit that a lot of these guys who saw it for the first time uh, back in the fall, guys like Colin Morikawa, who played in, at Augusta National for the very first time in the fall, are getting a rude awakening in this opening round in April because it plays completely different, and that firm and fast has uh, set a set of teeth to it. So, you know, when minus 20 was the winning score in the fall, uh, those are not the conditions that you could ever expect. I mean, you think back to former rounds and the winning score um, on Sunday, so Jordan Spieth in 2015, when he was, I mean, you could not beat him even if you were tiger woods he was minus 18 on the week so we knew that nobody was going to sniff that minus 20 again which is why it is a record at the masters so to see the scores we saw today it's honestly a welcome change i think
2: so as we get ready for friday and then moving into saturday and sunday justin rose is going to be sleeping uh, on that lead uh, and he's got a pretty substantial lead right coming into friday would you think that he has what it takes? I mean, a lot of it is analyzing his overall health, right? Because he's had such issues. He played so phenomenally well. Uh, can you anticipate him, just based on his health-related conditions, being able to hold on to a lead like this uh, as we move into the weekend?
3: Yeah, I mean, he is a major champion uh, himself, so it's it's a little bit easier. I mean, getting your first green jacket is no walk in the park, but when you have control of those feelings when you're older, when you've seen the course, when you know the misses, especially at a course like Augusta National. I mean, even if the green is 2,000 square feet, when it comes to the weekend, you're going to have to be so precise to hit a perfect approach to within five feet of wigger aim so uh, it really comes down to the precision and proximity um, with a lot of these guys and that's something we quite frankly have not seen at all from Justin Rose recently uh, a lot of people will go back to the club change he made going to HOMA, and that was a serious frustration for his career and he ended up admitting it I mean you don't want to upset sponsors but uh, getting over the hurdle of new equipment is not something to take lightly but you know switching up the caddies switching up and finally getting comfortable with your equipment and your team that that takes time and uh, so uh, first of all if you look at in past years the guy who leads by a large margin uh, usually come the weekend you see a lot of changes on the leaderboard but I'm not going to count out Justin Rose I'm not going to necessarily say he's going to take this thing all the way but uh, iron play is really what it comes down to and uh, a lot of guys like Will Dallatoris, who had a great opening I mean this guy he's young as hell and it's just. third ever start in a major, a lot of people had Will um who's playing in his first master's to win the whole thing. So I, I keep an eye on him as well. Um, but yeah, just over, I mean, the back spasms, you mentioned the injuries. Uh, he, in fact, the last time we saw him play was uh, when he WG'd on Saturday and left Jordan Spieth out to dry um, playing at Arnold Palmer invitational. And uh, Justin Rose had those back spasms. And let's face it, when you get older, when you're tinkering with things, uh, the injuries come a lot easier. So hopefully he stays healthy. So at least he, he puts on a good show this week.
2: Justin Rose, by the way, finished second in 2017 at the Masters, tied for second in 2015. He's also got a top 10 in 20, uh, 2012 and uh, has been close, a top 10 in 2016 as well. So he's played this course well before. Uh, he knows it, and uh, and certainly he had the best day of anybody uh, on the opening Thursday of the tournament. When you look, Chantel... Uh, yeah, when you look at uh all the all the drama that was surrounding the state of Georgia and everything else. Do you think there will be any drama unrelated to golf on Friday, Saturday, Sunday or do you think now that people have teed off that it's all about the sport itself and all of the boycott talk, and all, which was maybe the most ridiculous and absurd uh, argument for a boycott in the world of sports of all time, because you either play at Augusta or you can't. It's like saying, hey, the University of Georgia has to move, right? Like it would, it would, it's, it's like it's almost impossible. Do you think that story is gone now that they've actually teed off as we head into the weekend?
3: Well, I should have known having a conversation with you that this absolutely would come up and you'd put me on the spot. And I guess I asked for it because I have needled some of your followers who've commented on you posting about this story without kick and the people who have had, quite frankly, ridiculous commentary related to canceling or changing the location of the Masters. Um, And when it comes to the name, a lot of people think Masters Tournament comes from Days of Slaves. And that's... That's quite frankly, I mean, of course, you could put two and two together um, or draw a line from A to B if you try. But there are other sports that I don't think are quite as white, so to speak, that are also labeled the Masters because the connotation is it is the Masters, the greatest people who ever played that particular sport, like bowling. Did you know there's a bowling Masters?
2: I did so, it. I did I it. That's funny. And also, the it. master's degree is, I mean, it basically means that you have achieved a uh, high level of acumen in a particular discipline, right? Uh, Correct. It, the entire purpose, uh, you get a master's of business, you can get a master's of any number of different uh, aspects. So, that is a ridiculous argument. The funnier one to me than even the name, because I think most people just kind of throw up their hands at the name, the funnier one to me is... I think that some of these people don't know sports very well because Chantel, they exactly. were like, oh, you should just move the Masters as if it's like, you know, the U.S. Open or the PGA or the Open uh, overseas in, in England. Like the, you can't just change that. The whole purpose of the Masters is you play the same course every year i think going all the way back to 1934 or whatever the heck it is like you can't relocate the masters that's why the analogy i was making too is like it's like saying hey the university of georgia shouldn't be in georgia anymore all right well what are you gonna do like the 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 physical university is there you can't relocate it you can't put it anywhere else
3: yes and i think you hit the nail on the head with that um i think and I'll, i'll give people credit because With you're just reading the headlines, reading the stories, and not grabbing the context, which, let's face it, there are very few places in media that are going to give you the appropriate context with the headline, Um, and then fewer people who are actually going to, in fact, take the effort and time to read through and educate themselves before they throw out an opinion on Twitter. Um, so, I get it. If you are not familiar with the golf space, which is a very niche sport, then you would have no idea that, okay, this isn't just like, oh, we move the Super Bowl around every year, so why can't we do that for the Masters? Yeah, um, right. Yeah, that's not, that's not how it works. So, your analogy of picking up a state university and just deciding you're going to put it in another state and call it the same thing is get on. And I think that's the context that lacks some people throw out that opinion. So anyway, getting back circling back to your initial question, do I think that now we're started this up people are going to get over it absolutely because we know how the news cycle works and of course there'll be a few people who will die on this hill and uh some of the regular people on twitter who will just beat this horse dead it which i guess i, I probably can't say that either but you get my point that um we're, we're kind of past that now uh there was a beautiful um ceremonial tee shot moment and i think a lot of people for the most part want to see good golf and this thing going and it's not turning around and of course we both know that people pick and choose what they want to get upset about. I mean, it is amazing to me that, for example, you can have so many animal lovers, but we still have animal racing sports in the world, but yet people want to get caught up on where the Masters takes place. So that's my two cents.
2: Um, all right. A couple of different things that happened during the course. Thank you for that. I put you on the, I gave you a, a, a big microphone there. Thursday. All right we know that rory dunked his one of his shots recently in the swimming pool right it got a little bit of attention somebody's uh somebody's yard uh where he dropped it in then he hits his dad on the course too which i don't know what the odds are i mean his dad was probably 150 yards away and gets hit by his son's uh uh, iron shot but Mm -hmm. it was kind of emblematic of rory seeming to lose his way in a huge uh a huge way Can he get it back, Mm -hmm. or what's going on with him, and how much of it is mental as opposed to physical?
3: It's 100% mental at this point, and I'm worried about him. Not like, oh my gosh, is he ever going to get back, but it's like how hard must it be as an athlete to try to be putting the pieces back together on public display when it's like going that sideways? I mean, it's like trying to completely do a makeover and I mean, you're at the mercy of the embarrassment of all of the stumbles along the way. Uh, so I, I hate it for him. And he really, he is the darling and he is a leader in the space. I thought actually, you know, doubling back to your question about the situation surrounding Georgia voting, he answered the question eloquently without actually kind of giving an answer because he doesn't want to put himself in a compromising position. So he's really become like a leader within the PGA tour. And I respect that. And uh, so it's going to be even more difficult when a lot of people turn to you for different things, when you are the spokesperson, so to speak, and you're battling uh, a really bad swing situation. So uh, yeah, you look at his scores from Thursday and you just go, wow. I mean, there was, there was a lot of bad swings. Um, I think at Amen Corner, I had it locked on the Amen Corner channel and uh, his, visible frustration, which was interesting because he showed a lot of that exterior frustration at API and he actually didn't really have a bad finish. I'm talking about Arnold Palmer invitational. Um and so it's funny how down he gets on himself. Um but it's, it's kind of like relatable to for some of us because we've all been on. The, I, I've seen you on the golf course and had a couple of mishits. So it, it's. Every, it's one nice. miss Every one of my <laughs> shots is
2: a mishit. Every one of my shots is a mishit. I was being
3: generous there. <laughs> yeah, um, generous. I, I've seen you in Mexico and I uh, couldn't quite hit the green, but it's all good. Um, but yeah, I actually think for some players, it, it can get so frustrating, but the way that he handles himself overall, like you see the frustration, but it doesn't get so far away from him that. It overtakes things, but um, he's working with that new new swing coach, Pete Cowan, who has been a game changer for several players, including Danny Willett and most recently Brooks Kepka. And uh, Pete Cowan apparently is a magic maker, and uh, he's, a, he's a really interesting guy. A lot of people know, like Butch Harmon. Uh, Chris Cuomo, but I'm telling you, Pete Cowan, Pete Cowan is like an amazing person for some of the top players in the world and is somehow sneaky under the radar. So I think this is a big project ahead of him for Pete, but uh, I, I have faith in the process there. And some guy, I mean, Jordan Spieth, for example, who finally got a win and broke through again uh, last week at the Valero Texas Open. There were times, like, in Spieth's career in the last couple years, I was like, all right, this is going to be like a one-year overhaul. But I I don't think we're quite at that level of sound the alarm when it comes to Rory, if that gives you any perspective.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, no, that's good Uh, in terms of Rory. Spieth, you were just mentioning – Finally wins a tournament last weekend at the Valero for the first time in four years. Came out and had a so-so opening round, I think it's fair to say, relative to expectations. Uh, What do you think is reasonable to expect of Jordan Spieth going forward now that we're into the majors? We'll see whether or not he can make a run at Augusta. But do you think he's back to should be considered at the top of every major leaderboard, a major contender going forward?
3: Yeah, a lot of people were trying to ride him into the sunset after last week's win. And don't get me wrong, I mean, a win is not debatable. Like, you got the job done. You finally shook the demons, which he was not shy with talking about. But, um, no, we are not at the place of 2015 where you were never going to lose if you bet on Jordan Spieth and, of course, the number one player in the world. I think that although that was an encouraging sign – he, he's not playing lights out. He doesn't have that killer instinct. And you can tell, I, I kid you not, you can tell with his walk. You can tell with his swag when it comes to how comfortable and confident he is. He wears his heart on his sleeves. And I, I think maybe we can start getting there if there's an encouraging sign this week, since this is kind of his paradise. It really sets up well for him. But, uh, yeah. Let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yes, he won last week. Everyone, calm down. I know 2015 was wonderful, but it's 2021. Is not 2015.
2: Uh, we're talking to Chantel McCabe. All right. A couple of other things that I loved about the opening round. I like some of the awkward shots. Have you ever <laughs> seen an eagle putt? That ended up in the water. Did you see the video uh of uh Dub? You can tell me. Did you, you? Might have seen it, Chantel. I don't know. I tweeted it out. But who was the guy, Dub, who put it in the eagle putt? In oh, Zoog- I got to see this. Oh, you didn't see this? Uh, yeah. No. Okay, it was I'm going to look
3: this up right now.
2: Yeah, I tweeted. I'm going to pull it up. Uh, it was on 15. Okay. It was on 15. On 15. And, uh, and there was a couple uh, of guys.
0: There was a, I mean, a handful of guys chipped it into the water. This guy putted it into the water. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to figure out who it was as well. Yeah, it
2: was Burned Weisberger. Oh, Burned Weisberger. Uh, yeah, Burned Weisberger. He had an Eagle putt on 15 and he put it in the water. <gasps> so his next okay, shot. I'm at this
3: now.
0: I've never even
2: seen that before. His next shot was a par putt from the exact same spot.
3: Yeah. That
2: have was you, do you have to fire your caddy on the spot just to make a point? Uh, like, I mean, that is one of the most. Like, I always think. That letting regular people putt, they, like the fact that you're basically putting on a sheet of glass uh, or a sheet of right. ice, like you don't really recognize that when you're watching it on television. But to have a exactly. professional golfer go from eagle putt to putting it in the water and then you're attempting a par putt from the exact same location. I've never seen that before that's vent i haven't even i mean that's something that i wouldn't be attempting an eagle putt i can certainly imagine attempting a, uh, a birdie putt occasionally and putting it into the water but an eagle putt that ends up a par putt is uh, is pretty unbelievable on the scorecard
3: yeah remember i said earlier about how important it is to land within five feet of exactly where you want to on the greens well that's why because there are some places on the golf course that are just impossible some places on the green that that will happen to everyone, no matter what your name is, what number your rank is in the world. And that is a perfect example of that putt right there. I'm I'm watching it on repeat and it doesn't, (laughs) oh my gosh, that sucks, man. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It it makes you appreciate um, when you can play well, but I mean, I'm telling you, Augusta national, there is a reason why it is played in April and the best man does win in the field. We're talking to Chantel, like that.
2: Chantel McCabe, from, uh, formerly from the Golf Channel. She's got her own show starting on SiriusXM on April the 19th. All right, so Bryson DeChambeau, do you think that yes. he is well-liked in any way on the tour? I love that he's trying to be kind of like a mad scientist and find a way uh, to kind of change the way the game is played, but it didn't work for him in November. He came in as a favorite uh, in, uh, in one of the favorites and it did not work for him again. Uh, what's your take on him and, uh, and so far his, uh, antics that have not really produced much results at Augusta.
3: Oh, antics. Interesting word. You are revealing yourself with that. I love, Um,
2: (laughs) I love anybody who is, uh, gives us good topic. Like yesterday, Dub and I were talking about his, uh, crazy, Did you see the video that went viral of him just absolutely hammering his driver as fast as he could while Vijay Singh kind of stood with a perplexed look on his face? I am pro antics, right? Like, I like anybody who does something a little bit different that provokes a reaction one way or the other. Because frankly, there isn't really anybody on the tour that is that polarizing in any way, form, or fashion. But so far, DeChambeau has gotten a lot of attention for his mad scientist plans and they haven't really panned out anyway. Uh, like I think he would have anticipated.
3: Well, hang on a second. He is a major champion winner. So yes. at some point the antics actually do add up and they did pay off, which I think is a hell of a feat considering all of the ways that the USGA had to quite literally work with Bryson because they were trying to curb or manage all of his crazy ideas. Like when yes. he was pulling out the compass a few years ago and putting <laughs> Which the I love. Floating I love. No, I just, yeah. hey, nobody else is doing it. So it's, it's people are like, oh, that's cheating. How is it cheating? I mean, everyone else had the opportunity to do that too, and they chose not to. Um, so actually, I got the chance to talk to him after his first ever win, John Deere Classic. And it's so interesting to me that at the time, the golf world was like, who is this guy? Like, oh, he's like trying to ruin the game. And now all the golf nerds have been like, whoa, look what he's doing. He's overpowering the course. This is the next Tiger. They're going to have to Bryson through. So it's so interesting to me how the golf hardos completely have turned their tune when it comes to Bryson. Um, and I think that's actually said something. It's obviously a compliment to him, but. I thought that, okay, it's probably us writers and media people who, to your point, love having something to talk about, because let's face it, unlike basketball, football, other sports where there's trash talk, there's, you know, interesting and compelling things that could keep us talking about the sport for hours and golf. I mean, no offense. We're a little bit dry over here. And uh, so Bryson definitely spices things up. But I've got to give him a ton of credit because I kid you not, like players, go out of their way to compliment him and to watch him like DJ, like he doesn't necessarily want to be doing that. But he's like, first of all, how did this guy even get this idea? Second of all, he's crazy enough to do it and try it in tournaments and sacrifice the possibility of not playing his best in order to see what works and what doesn't. But they respect him too. Like Kevin Na picks his brain to say, Hey, like, you know what things are within reason that I can try here that might actually help my game. So it's, it's really fascinating to me when players respect it and they don't think it's buffoonery and they're interested in learning about the process and how he thinks about things because it's obviously unconventional, but uh, it's always interested me that people want to learn from him, not just watch him, but like actually get involved a little bit in the process. And by the way, bless Tim Tucker's heart, his caddy, because this guy's been on his bag since, I mean, forever. And he has to, say okay yeah all right let's do this and uh, I doubt he has many veto cards because Bryson kind of runs the show but Tim hey he's along for the ride and he's got to take a lot of the uh, crap that comes with it.
2: Chantel McCabe I appreciate you enjoy <laughs> all of the Masters and uh, we'll talk to you again maybe uh, after the, uh, the, the this thing is complete uh, coming back next week.
3: That's right. We'll end on that note. Good to talk to you, and uh, go Justin Thomas, my pick. We'll see you guys on Sunday.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Good stuff. Uh, that is Chantel McCabe. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis.
1: Hey, I'm John Middlecoff, and I host the Three and Out podcast. Do you like football? Do you like the NFL? Do you like the NFL draft? Quarterbacks? Coaches? Well, I talk about it all on the show. I used to work for Andy Reid as a scout. Now I give you my unfiltered and raw opinions on everything that goes on in the NFL. And you know we're talking college football because of how important the draft is year-round. Listen to the 3 and Out podcast with me, John Middlecoff, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Terms and conditions apply.
1: What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters?
2: rolling through the second hour of the program Friday edition obviously the Masters about to be underway for a second day a lot of guys struggled especially the guys that were expected to be at the top of the leaderboard we've been talking about that some throughout the course of the uh, of the program as we have been breaking everything down and I feel like I got to put my lawyer hat on here because every day now we get another update in the Deshaun Watson case. And the latest now is that we have a uh, a motion that was filed on Thursday, that is yesterday, seeking an emergency hearing on all the civil lawsuits by, uh, by Rusty Harden, Deshaun Watson's attorney. And uh, he wants to know who all of the women that are suing him are, he wants to know their name. So, so far, most of these women, although a couple of them have gone public so far, uh, so far, 22 women have uh, already filed lawsuits against Deshaun Watson alleging sexual assault, and 20 of those women are still not named. And here is what uh, Rusty Hardin said in a statement. When we asked Mr. Busby to identify his clients weeks ago, he refused and told us to file a motion. Today, we filed that motion, meaning this was put out yesterday by Rusty Hardin. As discussed in our filing, Mr. Busby's use of anonymous lawsuits violates Texas law and and the basic concepts of fairness. I'm reading from Rusty Hardin. He is the attorney for Deshaun Watson. While I understand that anonymity often is used as a shield for victims, Mr. Busby is using it as a sword. While shielding his clients from public scrutiny, Mr. Busby continues to use their anonymous allegations to destroy Mr. Watson. This is simply not right, and we look forward to resolving these matters in court. Uh, In the motion, Rusty Hardin, Deshaun Watson's attorney, writes that because plaintiff's counsel filed the actions anonymously, Mr. Watson's counsel can only speculate about plaintiff's identity. The counsel says he cannot, in good conscience, publicly respond to the specific allegations being made because any response would be based on dangerous speculation about the identity of the accusers. It's easy to imagine the harm that would be caused if these women were mistakenly identified. The only way, he says, to allow uh, Deshaun Watson to properly defend himself is for the court to follow the law by requiring these women to identify themselves in their civil lawsuits. That will be a hearing that is going to be heard later today. Significance here is this is just ramping up the acrimony that is out there for both sides of this dispute going forward. And I told you that the importance, if you take away one thing from my legal analysis of sports-related cases that we've had on the course of this show... I would hope it is that it's very hard to definitively predict exactly what is going to happen in a court proceeding because there are so many different potential uh, angles to consider: the judge, the jury, the lawyers, the two, uh, the, the plaintiffs, and the defendants. There are so many different moving parts; it's like trying to predict exactly what's going to happen in a sporting event. All you can do is look at the potential range of outcomes and give a reasonable expectation as to what could happen and what is likely to happen. That's a challenge. It's difficult. What I would say in general is the same thing that I said yesterday. So far, everything has been trending against Deshaun Watson. Uh, When this first lawsuit was filed, Deshaun Watson came out and said, hey, they tried to settle with me already, and we decided not to do it. In retrospect, I bet everybody that represents Deshaun Watson, his agent, his advisors, his PR people, I bet every single one of them would say, Deshaun Watson, the best $100,000 you have ever spent at any point in your life would have been to settle this first lawsuit because... All of these additional lawsuits came spiraling out as a result of this fact that Deshaun Watson arrogantly, I would say, accused this initial lawsuit filer of seeking money when he should have known, right? If you are Deshaun Watson, you should know if your behavior has made women uncomfortable in the past in the massage area because once one woman came public, immediately, nearly two dozen other women came out and said, Deshaun Watson did the same thing to me. If he had paid $100,000 to this first accuser, which is basically what she was seeking in damages, I don't know if we ever hear from any of these other women. But all of the attention and all of these women finding out, oh, it wasn't just me. Because I guarantee you if we talk to these women... One of the things that they thought was initially, maybe it was just me. And also, no one will believe me because Deshaun Watson is this powerful figure. He's a super beloved character, uh, football athlete in the city of Houston. And all of these massage therapists are relatively unknown And he was terrified, Uh, he was terrifying to them, I really do think, because these women thought, no one will believe me. And frankly, I doubt anybody in a grand scheme of things believes one woman, but as they all start to stand up together and tell very similar stories, all of this has built into a situation where Deshaun Watson is in a great deal of legal peril and could be facing before all is said and done potentially criminal charges, which would move this to a question of how many games is Deshaun Watson going to miss and how much money is he going to have to pay to settle these suits to potentially having to deal with the threat to his overall career. This is also why so much of the quarterback market in the NFL has been in flux It's why the Panthers traded for Sam Darnold. It's why I believe the 49ers decided to trade up and get the number three pick. And also partly why Matthew Stafford ended up making the move from Detroit to L.A. Because a lot of these teams may have been interested in Deshaun Watson. But as all of this has continued to unspool in general... Nobody can really make an aggressive run at uh, after Deshaun Watson, and it may be years before he's back on the football field. But that is the latest, a courtroom hearing that we will have later today about whether or not all of these women's names uh, will have to be revealed to Deshaun Watson to allow him uh, to prepare a defense going forward. This is the first, I would predict, of many different legal proceedings that are going to be involved in this process when we come back top of the third hour we'll talk more about uh the ongoing masters as they tee off for the friday edition of the uh, of the masters how much fun it is to sit back and watch also we'll be joined by danny g who's going to give us from five star reviews if he's actually awake as he completes theoretically his quarantine in la this is outkick on fox sports radio Fox
0: Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at
2: foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, oh, oh,
0: O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. If you dare.